Welcome to With Great Power, a podcast where we get the privilege to talk with guests about their testimonies and what God has done in their lives. I'm Erica Pope. And I'm Mark Simpson. We're your hosts, and this is With Great Power. Oh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's up? It's always great when we can start off laughing. I know, yeah. Yeah. I'm always, that's my my go-to. How are you? I am good. Good. I'm always good. Not really. But, you know, right now, today, I'm doing really great. I love doing this, by the way. This is so much fun. Yeah. I'm honestly just so thankful that he's just keeps providing just the people, the opportunity, the time. Stories. I mean, yeah. just Kyle Willis. Yes, Kyle Willis. Thank you. Man, just shout him out. This flip-flop wearing beloved man <laughs> is just... <laughs> He loves his flip flops. He does. He likes those toes to breathe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wonderful feet. You know, I wonder. I, I want to ask him if he gets those pedicures on the regular, but I don't know. Oh man. Okay. He said no. <laughs> Speaking of pedicures. Yeah, that's a good transition. You know, it is. I, you know, I, I thought I was doing something really nice for my husband. Okay. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to give you a pedicure. Like you were going to give him a pedicure. Yes. I, there's something wow. about like, I don't know. Some, I don't know. It's weird. I'm not anybody else. So don't ask me. Yeah. Don't ask me, Kyle. Um, but uh, I was just like, Hey, yeah. Like, well, I'll give you a pedicure. Go wash your feet. Yeah. Make sure they're clean. Right. But like, I'm going to get all the stuff and I might have done a little bit too much. Let's just say the next day he said it really hurt wearing shoes. Oh man. And he showed me yesterday like his, his heel and it was all red and <laughs> it's been at this point, it's been a week since Uh-oh. I did this. Um, and so now he's, I'm no longer allowed to give him a pedicure, but I was just trying to do something sweet. Sweet. So can't go to his work in flip flops. He's got to wear some boots. Oh, you know? I know. Yeah. Oh, and goodness. I, I pained him. I thought I was doing something nice for him so you know happy valentine's day Day. (laughs) you have anything special planned for abby me and abby we just like to you know get the babysitter and we just like to go out to eat and just Mm -hmm. like talk and catch up um sometimes we'll do something fun on the side but typically it's just we're all about the just the meal and just spending time together so we'll do that i know what we won't do though we did this one year we went to this i'm not going to name this spot but it it just didn't work out. We went to this like Asian like massage place where you sit in a chair and they just give you a back massage. Yes. She loved it. She said it's you're like in an open room and you're just chilling there and they're just doing a back massage. She loved it because she had this sweet Asian lady that came out and did her massage. Mm-hmm. I got this very large Chinese man that came out and literally <laughs> destroyed me he saw a little bit of asian in me he's like this is one of my brothers he literally stood over me i'm not even making this up he took his hands and clapped like he was before basketball going goes he goes he makes this noise and i'm I'm facing away i'm like this is gonna be horrible And so he goes to town. I mean, he is laying into me. Like, he's pushing in. Like, he was working my back, but I feel like he was touching my sternum. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the front. And Abby thought, (laughs) Abby thought I fell asleep because she thought I was in so such a tranquil. No, I couldn't breathe. I was like, (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was like, I was dying. You're watching your husband die next to you. And then at the very end, to put a cherry on top, he like massages my hands. And he's doing this thing, popping thing with my fingers. Oh. I swear, I think he broke my pinky. I'm not even joking. I don't like those. I know. I don't like, like they do that. So we have never been back since. <laughs> yeah. I know you won't name the place. I'm not going to name the place. But is it like uh, the opposite? Is the opposite maybe like sad? I don't. <laughs> has in the name of it? <laughs> I don't. No, it's is not it that on one. Memorial. It's not that one. Okay. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Cause that's where, I, that's where we like to go. No, it's similar setup as that one, yes. but it's not that one. So <laughs> I've kind of burned on all of them, honestly. Cause <laughs> Devin no. and I have gone to some of those places before too, and they're great. But you know, when you are in it, you don't know what's happening to, you know, your your person that's with you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's Happy happening. Valentine's day. Yeah. So like at the end, he's like, did they like, did they, massage your 
butt? And I was like, no one touched my butt, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh really great. Gosh. No, no, no they've, we've had fun. Um, like those massages. Yeah. Uh, but I hope you guys have a great. We will time. Yeah, it's gonna and be have good. a good you, date you night. And Devin too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we definitely like our alone time. Yes, away from the kids. It's nice to reconnect. You yes. know. Mm-hmm. So, well, we have Frank Thompson here with us today. What's up, Frank? Hi, up, Frank. Man? I, this is my first time getting to meet you, um, and like face yeah. to face, but I know that you've come to a few services. You yeah. are part of Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Yeah. Band of Brothers. And they just That's re- my brother over there. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are about to start another, yep. another wave, wave another at wave. South Community Church with you, with you guys. In so, you know, the thing about Band of Brothers that I love it the most is it's, it's not only like a, like you, you grow deeper in your in your faith and your walk with God, but you get this time off. So it's like ten weeks on and ten weeks off, and it's essentially you take what you learn these ten weeks yep. through mm-hmm. this band of brothers, and then the ten weeks off you apply it. Yeah, yeah, and then you come back. Yeah, how know? did it and go? How, how did, did it go? Yeah. Okay, well let's focus on another thing. You know, as we walk through these, uh, I guess you could call them curriculums. Sure. Almost. I mean, yeah. we have a little book, uh, but as you walk through these things with. And each time it's a different brothers, you know, each it's like almost at random, you know, yeah. okay, this is, it's not guaranteed you're going to have the next, you know, they might still be in the same wave, right. but they're not going to be in your same platoon. And, and I've sat in some platoons with these guys who I've went to church with, you know, but then when you get into these smaller circles with them, it's like, oh, I'd have never guessed that about you, no. you know, I start opening I mean, up. It's kind of how me and Mark met, you know, yep. and, uh. You know, How long have you been a part of the Band of Brothers ministry? Oh, man. I went to my first wave like two years ago. Okay. It was about two years ago. Yeah. Um, Curtis. Curtis um, Summers. Yeah. I met him, and I'm sure he, he won't mind me saying this, but I met him in an uh, AA meeting. Yeah. He went to this, he went to my, uh, the home group that I go to. He went to this AA meeting, and he was there to meet a, a friend who, called him and was like, Hey, I need to told Curtis, like, I need to go to a meeting. And he was like, I know a place I'll meet you there. And so Curtis shows up, but the guy never showed up. Wow. So Curtis sat through this meeting the whole time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was there and, uh, like after the meeting, we got to talking and, you know, he was, he told me about band of brothers and he was, uh, he was like, we're about to kick off a wave, you know? And he was like, you should come. And, you know, just being the nice thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, here's my number. You know, y'all come, <laughs> right. uh, just remind me. And like a week before it started, he reminded me, he was like, yo, we're kicking this thing off. Are you coming? Right. And, uh, and I, at this time I was working on actually sticking to my word. Cause I was like, man, I got to figure out a way out of this thing. Like, I don't want to go to this thing. Yeah. Uh, but at the time I was, I was just a couple years sober and uh i was really trying to to practice sticking to my yeses when i say i'm going to do something right. i'm going to do it yes yeah. my commitment issues mm-hmm. um so i was like all right i'll go to this first one you know this first this first week they're like we got pizza and so i went to it <laughs> yeah. and, and then uh you know they wanted some of the guys that were sharing in, in you know the little circle up thing that they do and it's just right. if you're not there then you won't understand it but it's kind of like everybody identifying with one another and it's some it starts out kind of funny you know who likes pepperoni on their pizza and you yeah. know and then everybody step in and who yeah. you know and then but there's a transition moment where it was like yo who's been affected by suicide Boom. and it gets deep real quick real quick yeah mm. and and they say you're not alone. Yeah, and you know? then so whoever you know, and then everybody, whoever's been affected by this thing, will step forward. He went with drugs, alcohol, prison, yeah, all this stuff. And I'm in a church that I haven't been in ever, you know. But every time he said something, and I was just like, "Well, I've been to prison." Yeah, and then I would see other guys step in, you right. know, and it like that first night I was like, "And these are guys who don't look nothing like me." You know, like these are mid 40, early 50, you know, older white guys. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, I've been in, in my own mind. I've lived on the north side of town. I stayed on the east side of town. I grew up on a reservation, you know, yeah. and, and looking at them, you know, at face value, 
you couldn't like couldn't tell some of these guys been to prison so i'm like you know what they don't have the tattoos they don't have you know so i was just all automatically like i got nothing in common with these guys but whenever they made that transition uh i felt like i belonged right you know and then i went a couple weeks almost stopped going man i mean at some point it becomes a commitment because you get for me it was like when we start diving into the deep questions yeah. for me in my mind, it was like the enemy was telling me, this is stupid. It's yeah. irrelevant. And that's you your know? flesh, too. Yeah. Like, I don't do this. You know, this. I just, yeah. I hear it's like, this is dumb. Right. This is dumb. I don't need to do this, you know? Like, I'm I'm fine today, so this is dumb. Uh, but no, man, I stuck it out, you know? And then when you get to week 10 and you get the T-shirt, you know? Yeah. And then, then you get to, you know, break the boards and you get to mm-hmm. burn the boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's It's something something inside of you just kind of happens, yeah. you know? And for me at the time, like I said, I was, I was doing the commitment thing. So it was nice to complete something other than a prison sentence. Cause I think at yeah. that point, the only thing I ever completed was a prison sentence, you know? And it was mm-hmm. like, it was nice to, to stick to my word and do something and finish it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was like, kind of, and that's where I got to know Curtis and Kellen and Ernie and, yeah. and these dudes are all jacked, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our muscle mass is growing at our church. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For any listeners that doesn't that don't have any um, idea about Band of Brothers, do you mind just kind of giving us a description about like what is Band of Brothers? What is this ministry about? Uh, you know, so there's there's a few guys who could explain it a lot better than than I can, but it, it's it's just men's disciple. It's a place where. As as a man, you can come together and get real honest with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big things uh, that that they'll tell you, you know, hey, check the church answers at the door. Right. You know, like there's like there's there's don't bring that blessed yeah. and highly flavored stuff. Yeah. In there, you know, because, you, know, you know, there's a lot of times I think uh, as a man, you just kind of with work you don't want to let people know really what's going on there's right. so much of this stuff and then when you get to church you know and you got your family there you got your kids there you know it's so easy just to put on the church makeup you know you know what hey for this one two hours you know we'll go in here and everything's okay you could be fighting on the in the car on the way to church but then you get to church you know you do the service you have the yeah. lunch and then you get back in the car and your problems are still there and nothing's being addressed right, right. But for mm-hmm. these two hours it's so easy just to act like everything's okay put a smile on get your coffee um, well, and as a man, you're looked at as you, know, you need to be the strong one. You need to hold yeah, it together. Right. Don't show weakness. Don't yeah. show weakness. Right. Yeah. That, so yeah. whenever you step into a band of brothers night, somebody will get up there and speak, you know, right. uh, but then you get into these little, these little groups, man. Platoons. And, and it's like, Hey, yo, you said you had a problem last week with your pornography. How's that going? It's right. like taking these mm. things and putting them right in your face. Right. You know, like, don't you know that affects this? And it like, so it gives you a chance to get real and honest, you know, and you kind of lose the idea because most times it's in a church, but whenever, so the platoon I went through in Battle Creek, um, you're in this church, but then it almost feels like the presence of it just, it, it like you just understand really what the body of Christ is like when you get honest with these guys, yeah. you know, because it's real. You know, it's, it's, it's authentic. Uh, I had a guy explain it to me. He's like, man, have you ever thought about like the woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. how much shame she brought and she was drug into this place, right. you know, and mm-hmm. thrown at the feet of Jesus and was like, how much shame and, and, you know, like just feeling naked and you got, and you know, and it's just like whenever, but there was healing in that moment. Yes. Like it, it took her to be brought down to this low point for her to realize, you know, and then Jesus said, you know what? I don't condemn you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I love you, you mm-hmm. know? And when you can feel that with these guys, it's it's so honest. Yes. You know, in, in, in a world full of fake, so much fake, you know, it's like yeah. the one place that I can come to, I can tell Mark whatever I need to tell Mark, yeah. you know, and not have that judgment and say, you know what? Hey, either I've been there, I know someone who's been there. But let me let me explain to you what Christ has done. You know, let me let me let me show you what God, you know, it's to have that good, honest conversation with other men. That's like for me, that's the big thing. You know, other men speaking into my life. Ernie, um, you know, Ernie's my guy. Yeah, Ernie's legit. Ernie is Ernie is like one of those dudes. He'll tell you the truth. You want to hear it or not, you know, like, yeah, he's a real brother. He is. And that's what you get from Banner Brothers. You get to experience what brotherhood in in the body of Christ is supposed to be. 
Like our church was in a place where we had a men's group and we wanted a men's ministry. A men's group is where you meet together. You might have some food. The church calls it fellowship, and you're eating. You're talking about there might about be one or two guys that open up. Yeah, it might be the same guys each time, right? And you're talking about the game. You're talking about all the other stuff, and it never it goes never goes really deep to mm-hmm. where it's like no one's really talking about their mm-hmm. crap, you know? Yeah. And so we were praying, and we were seeking this, brother. And Curtis comes in, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I do this thing called Band of Brothers. I feel like I'm called here to this church, be planted here, this church." And I look at Curtis, I'm like, I think you're here for a reason. And he prayed about that. And he's like, I think we should do a wave at South Community Church. Mm -hmm. And we did the one this last fall. And we went from having a men's group to a men's ministry. And the blessings, man, from all of this has been incredible. So if you're listening right now and you want more information about this, leave a comment on this this, uh, platform. And we will reach out to you and get you all the resources because you can do this at your church. If you want to move from doing doing just have a men's group to a men's ministry where you really have real authentic men that are being open and honest and transparent and truly doing what God calls us to. He says, bring confession to your brothers and then I will bring the healing. And there is true healing when we do confess and say, one, I'm not I'm not able to do this on my own. I need my Lord and Savior, but two, I need other brothers to keep me accountable to walk with me through this. Yeah, the accountability is like, that's that's the thing that's for it. me. Yeah. You know, like I have to have somebody that calls me on my crap. Yeah. You know, because I can so easily, I've spent years lying to myself. Come on. You know, and I'm like, I'm the quickest person I can fool, <laughs> you know? And uh, right. so when I have brothers who call me on my stuff, you know, it's just like, there, and it's in your face, you know, and, 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 to have, I, I'm always thinking of Ernie, you know, because there's things going on in my life where I, I didn't want to open up, but I did. And uh, like three weeks later, four weeks later, I'm getting a message from, hey, man, how's that thing going? Hey, man, how's that thing going? And it's just like, yep. okay, so am I going to lie to him? You know, because mm-hmm. I can tell myself one thing, you know, and then so and then just tell him the truth. You know, and then bam, it starts a whole nother. Okay. Well, you know what? You said this, you, you, are you going to, you know, you said, you said you were going to da, 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 da. And, uh, so that accountability, you know, like that's for me, that, that, that's like, that's the best part of the process. Right. It's interesting as a man that we can lie to ourselves pretty easily, Mm -hmm. but it's hard for us to lie to another person. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's being trained by God is like, don't lie to them. And then you'll eventually stop lying to yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. like you need, you need something in your life and where you've been going is not fulfilling what you really want and need, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, I see a correlation, um, between that story that you like the story of the woman, um, caught in adultery, caught in adultery. Um, because at the at the end, Jesus said, "You know, go and sin no more." Yep. And yeah. I see that correlation with the accountability that you guys have. And you were saying in the beginning how you guys had that ten weeks on and your ten weeks off. It's like come here, you confess your sins, you try to like build each other up, love on each other, and then after that, you you're going off to be better. You're yeah. not going to stay the same. You're you're going off to 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 change and to better yourself and to like, I just see that correlation of, okay, we're here, yeah, but I'm not, you don't, don't stay where you're at. And you know, the thing is, it's like, so whenever in essentially, you know, kind of like how Jesus was like sent out his people, you know, he sent out the disciples. We have our 10 weeks where we go back out into the world, you know, but we don't stay there. No. 10 weeks Mm -hmm. later. Hey, we're right back here. Cause if I stay out there too long, you know, uh, it's, it's bad news. You know, so it's like 10 weeks on and then come back, you know, yeah. and but unfortunately there are guys I've seen, they'll come through, they'll do the wave, you know, some guys who struggle with alcohol, some guys who struggle with it, they'll do the wave, they'll come in, they'll go back out there, you know, and, and, um, and then they, they're out there, yeah. you know, and I've seen brothers go back to the bars, you know, I've seen brothers <laughs> go back to that type of life and then, you know, and you don't hear from them for a little bit, but most of the times I, I I run into them, you know, it's funny because I run into to my brothers uh, who who go back out that I've done this life with, like, like, you know, I've went through the discipleship with, or, you know, I've met, you know, in recovery. And it's funny how God will always kind of like, even for a split moment, bam, you know, like we cross paths again and I see him. 
hey man you know we miss you over at the thing hey man you know you know we got where yep. you been how you doing you know you know you can come over here you can talk to me and then just even those little moments and then you know eventually i'll see him come to another wave and it's yep. just like you know what dude god's still working on your heart mm -hmm. it's all right we all need grace that's right you know uh so it's it's for me it's nice that you know 10 weeks on 10 weeks off 10 weeks on 10 weeks off it's always going and now it's going in multiple places yeah it is there's it's the one at south community there's one at battle creek yeah. there's the other one at uh abiding abiding harvest yeah mm. yeah it's good and there's one in oklahoma city now yeah it's growing yeah it's 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 good having the men come up and step step up as spiritual leaders is powerful mm -hmm. it is that's been a, that was a really cool thing at the the graduation that you guys did at uh, during service that one Sunday was seeing some of the men who I'm like what they and they were like platoon leaders that I was like uh, okay yeah. look at you like stepping up mm -hmm. and being a leader and seeing you just then you see the change like there were some guys that from that started to serve in different areas yep. of the church and yep. uh yeah i have a men's retreat this year now there you go i mean it's it's, it's all popping off yeah, yeah it's really cool well frank i want to know more about um just you like where yeah. are you, where are you from oklahoma where are you originally from yeah like, so i was um, i was born in muskogee uh, my mom, she's Navajo. She's from the reservation in Arizona, the Navajo reservation. Yep. So I bounced back and forth as a kid. Uh, my dad, he's from this area. He's from Salina, Oklahoma. So between Oklahoma, Arizona, you know, kind of our whole life, we bounced back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, never really stayed in one. I don't think I stayed in the same school until fifth grade. I think it was about 10 or 11 when we finally found a spot and it was in Catoosa. And that was like the first place time that I went to school for, you know, the same place, like at least two consecutive. I was there for fifth to my junior year. Uh, but I got in trouble early. You know, my, both my parents were, uh, alcoholics. My mom, she was, uh, she was an alcoholic. My dad, he ended up leaving when I was a kid. And then I watched my mom struggle with three boys and an alcoholics drinking problem, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, my mom's thing she's got like 15 or 16 years sober now and my dad i think he just got seven months praise uh, god yeah which yeah. Uh, my dad just gave me my four-year chip the other day which was wow cool. yeah and my mom gave me my three-year chip last year right Come two on. people i didn't think would ever get sober in my life gave me my sober That's chip. Incredible. Yeah. it's uh yeah it was something but i watched uh but whenever my my dad left my mom she kind of bounced we bounced from the reservation back to here, you know, and then finally landed in uh, Katusa in the Indian housings they had out there. But, you know, I was already into my stuff, man. By 10 years old, I got my first pistol charge when I was 12. Uh, my first possession of uh, it was possession of firearm on school property and then possession of a deadly weapon, which was a knife on school property and then possession of narcotics with the intent uh on school property i got in a lot of trouble at school yeah uh, and i got all that before my freshman year that was seventh and eighth grade yeah yeah i I try to find uh i guess role models yeah. right but everybody around my neighborhood they didn't nothing but troublemakers you know uh i would hang out with the older kids and the older kids they smoke weed and they drink you know and they thought it was funny to get the little 10 11 year old kid so drunk he's staggering around because it's mm. funny to them you know and and so i at the time i mean i didn't really think they're just my friends and they were sharing and uh but yeah it got it turned into hey there's this thing going on you know there's a fight about to happen at this uh it was a football game and uh i was i mean i was like 11 12 years old Man. and uh yeah i got in I didn't, I was so little. I knew that if I'd have gotten into a fight with these dudes, I'd have got beat up. But I had a friend who had uh, a 380, but it was, there was no, it wasn't loaded, right? I didn't had no bullets in it, but I took it anyways. I took it to this football game, clowning around with some friends, you know, at this halftime football game on a Friday night and the gun fell out and it hit the floor Ooh. and uh, I tried to pick it up. And before I could grab it, somebody yelled gun and like the whole oh. place, poof, everybody ran. It was, yeah, it was a big deal, you know, and uh, I ended up getting arrested for that. And, but, you know, like the thing with me is whenever I seen the attention that that brought to me, yeah, you know, after 
the courts after the first offenders program, you know, and after they finally let me come back because they kicked me out of school for like half the year. You know, when I finally went back to school, there was a reputation built around that incident. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I fed into that reputation the way that the way that they looked at me. Yeah. That's what I fell in love with. That became your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I stayed on it and I stayed on that path, you know, drinking and doing this and it turned into selling drugs and that just kind of escalated into my didn't finish high school dropped out met a girl had some kids you know drinking drugs and it just it just stayed there's just that path you know until i was about 26 years old is when i got i got my final charge and i went to prison uh i got two five-year sentences handed to me for possession of a stolen some drug charges things like that uh they they i had some they charged me and I went on the run. I, I bailed on a court date and they ended up having to send the U S marshals to <sighs> Texas to come and get me. Yeah. I was yeah. fugitive from justice. Mm. Uh, on the, along with all that, I met, I met some pretty dangerous people. Uh, and then I started running guns and drugs from Dallas, Texas and Oklahoma city and the Tulsa into Kansas. And then I got into that, uh, running around and doing that. And, it was 2016 is when I tried to get out and they were like, you, you don't get to just walk away. This isn't like a club. You just come and hang out and do whatever. Uh, so when I tried to leave, they wouldn't allow it. Um, somebody ended up burning my house to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. It was, that was, that, that was my pivot moment. So let me, before all that, I didn't grow up on God. Right. I didn't grow. I knew about the church and I knew about Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I heard it because my mom would try to take us to church. But on the reservation where we're from, we're raised on medicine men and ceremonies, you know, and uh, peyote. I've been doing peyote ceremonies since I was nine years old. Wow. You know, out there on the reservation, it's medicine. It's not right. what we look at it. It's not a hallucinogen is what it is, what I know it for now. It was medicine, you know, and, and it's what we use and we would. And so just raising that way we were raised and I was told by my cousins and my aunts, you know, like, Hey, that Jesus stuff that came over on the boats, you know, that Mm -hmm. was used to oppress our people, you know? So when anybody says that to you, you hate them because they don't like you, you know? And so I was raised that way. So anytime somebody said church or Jesus or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, I automatically had this, you know, this hate in my heart and I would, I would belittle. I would make fun. I remember the first time I read the Bible, I read it with the intention of using it against Christians. Right. I mean, (laughs) I was like 13 or 14. I went to school when I started going to Katusa, you know, everybody here is Baptist church. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I see the way that they treat me in school and I see the way that they act outside of church. Uh, you know, but what they act like in church is, and so I was like, man, I, it didn't last long. And I thumbed through the Bible a couple of times just to figure out how I can use this to throw it in their face. Um, so that's where my spiritual standing was. It wasn't, it wasn't God. It wasn't even traditions. Right. Uh, cause I didn't understand my, my Navajo traditions. Um, I just knew I had to do them when I was there, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand medicine, man, but I did understand when I started finding drugs and alcohol, you know, it makes me feel powerful. Mm. You know, everything I want to be, I can be when I'm intoxicated. Mm. So like that became my God, Wow. whatever I got to do for this, you know? Uh, so 2016, somebody burns my house down. Um, right before, like two days before that, two or three days, my mom had this overwhelming feeling to step in and take my kids so she did. She stepped into my house. She took my kids and uh, I wasn't even home. I don't. I didn't know they were gone for like two days. Wow. You know, uh, I was just so out there trying to right. run around and sell this and get this. And, you know, uh, but then someone burnt my house down and my mom called me and she was like, she thought my brother was in the house, my older brother, because he lived with us. And she was freaking out because she thought he died. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the house. Nobody was in the house. I think we lost a cat. Mm-hmm. But she was like, your house is your house is gone. I'm like, what do you mean my house is gone? She was like, your house is on fire. Fire marshals are here. They're looking for you, you know, and I'm psh, disappear again, you know? Um, and so like from that point, it was homelessness, hotel hopping. There were nights where if I didn't have a room or somewhere to stay in, I would just go to one of our casinos here and I just walk around all night, you know? 
uh, really lost. Man. And I had the fire marshals after me. I had U.S. marshals after me because I was still out on the run from this thing. Right. And then those people I was talking about that burnt my house down, well, they were looking to find me, you know, because uh, I mismanaged some of their money. So I had all these three people looking for me. And I said, I guess it was a prayer at the time. I remember just thinking, whatever, whoever gets me first gets me, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember thinking, at least if these guys get me, it's lights out. I don't have to worry about being homeless no more. I ain't got to worry about nothing. Uh, but in the midst of that, I met this dude. His name was Michael. He was a recovering drug addict and he was passing from, he was passing through town and makes up circumstances. He ended up getting stuck in Tulsa and had nowhere to go. And I had a hotel room that night I had managed to get. And I was like, well, you can stay with me, you know, and he was having someone pick him up the next day. And uh, like I said, he was a recovering drug addict, and but he was a Christian. Wow. He was the guy who told me that uh, when I seen him, we got to talking a little bit. And he was like, you know, God never intended your life to be like this, right? And this was the first, now this is the first Christian dude to not tell me what I was doing was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're in a hotel room. There's drugs on the table. You know, there's this girl over here. Mm -hmm. And there's this guy here who keeps talking about God. You know, and I'm dismissing him for a little bit. But then as the night kind of wound down and, and we he started like, it was just me and him alone. The girl had fell asleep. He's then he told me, he's like, you know, God never intended this for your life. Right. And when he said it like that, it was kind of like. Well, what did he mean? What did he what did he want from me? You know, what was his intentions? And that led to a conversation about the Bible. Wow. And he it was I'll never forget it. He was like. In hotel rooms, there's always a Bible. So you should just grab that Bible. You should take it with you. Praise God. Yeah, you're and right. You're right. He, he opens this little drawer and there, there's a Gideon Bible. Gideon Bible, yeah. Yeah, so he pulls it out. And so we start talking about this Bible for, and you know what? I know dude had to be tired because it was two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I'm so out there. Like, there's no way I'm going to sleep. But he stayed up with me all night until about six o'clock in the morning. I'm outside in this parking lot of this hotel room is not even there anymore it's torn down yeah. um and that's where i fell on my knees and i said all right god whatever you know right there in the parking yeah, in lot. the parking lot and i gave my life to uh, i gave my life to christ that was at six o'clock or eight uh, early in the morning sun was coming up that very same day and it's i'll never he told me he says your whole life's gonna change mm -hmm. and that same day i'm picked up that night right like i give my life to christ eight o'clock in the morning in the or morning. so yeah. by seven or eight at night, I'm picked up in another stolen car and I'm on my way to jail. Oh, wow. The same day, the same day and I go to jail and I sleep for like three days straight. Right. But when I wake up, the only thing I remember is this conversation I had with this guy, Michael. Yeah. yeah. And in my, in my cell, there was one of those little new Testament Bibles. Come on. And so I just started reading it. And, they, you know, at that point, they finally caught me. So they were like, yeah, you're not getting out. You're going right. to prison. Right. That's when they right. send me over here. They send me to prison. I go over there and I go over here. And the whole time I'm in prison, though, I am I just I stayed on what this dude told me. And I just read. So I had and it, I, I didn't know this. If you get your GED or your high school diploma in prison, they knock time off your sentence. Yeah. If you do anger management, you do all these classes like they basically just give time away. And as soon as I learned about that, I signed up for everything I could. <laughs> yeah. I knocked out my two five-year sentences. They ran them together. I knocked it out in uh, 15 months. 15 months. 15 months. But the whole time well, I'm You were busy there, though, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to school. I went to chapel. Stayed out of like the, the craziness of it. I had right. a, a few, like when I first got in there, I was still battling with the drugs. Yeah. Uh, but there was a moment where I had this honest- prayer with God and I was I was high whenever I had it and I remember looking at this guy and the way that people who were using on the yard like you have to stay off of their cameras they don't care what you do as long as you stay off the cameras because then so and so can see it so I'm watching these guys like run from you know cell to cell because it's an open dorm so people are like running and I remember thinking like these guys look like cockroaches mm. you know trying to stay out of the light because they're trying to get high and then mm. at the same time I'm high and I see them 
And I'm like, I'm doing the same thing they're doing in the same place they're doing. Man. And I was like, I don't want to do this no more. Right. It you hit know? you like it, yeah, revelation, man. And mm-hmm. so then I spent the last half of my prison since I was, I was sober reading i remember i would read this and then somebody turned me on to a study bible and i was like oh what does this mean what does this mean and so like and then i just read books you know the whole time i was in prison that's all it is i read books and i prayed uh i got out of prison and and this is for me when i talk about my recovery i always mention a 12-step program yeah for some reason, God always brought me back to these 12 step programs, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I got out of prison, moved into a sober living house. I was oh. supposed to go to AA. So I went to AA, but in my mind, it was like, Oh, I got, I got God with me. So I don't really need to do all this other stuff. I don't, you know, like I got mm-hmm. in and I stayed in this sober house for like 15 months, moved into my own apartment and I relapsed. Oh man. I, and I relapsed hard. Uh, the drinking came back in the drugs. Um, I'm a, I was an IV user, you know, mm-hmm. I used to shoot multiple times a day. So like when it took me like six months, I lost the apartment, you know, and then a year back out there, I'm right back in the same place that I was when I got picked up, Man. headed to prison and, uh, had police raided my apartments for looking for guns and drugs. Uh, I barely skate by with that charge. Um, and I remember January 19th of 2020, this point, I kind of know a little bit about God. And I just said that, I said that prayer again, man. Only this time I was more honest. I was like, bro, you're going to have to take me out of this situation because I'm not walking out of it. Like there's no, there's no me just walking away from this drug addiction again. Right. Like you got to take me away from it. Right. Uh, and even, even praying, I remember telling God, I was like, if there's a way we can do it without me going back to jail, like, let's do that. I'll go to rehab instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Two days later I was picked up again. You were. <laughs> yeah, I was. And I, was I was sent back to jail, man, man, for the stuff I went to prison for. I never paid the fines for it. Man. So it was a felony hold, even though what? there wasn't like a real charge, it was a felony hold, uh, no bail. So when I got picked up again, they were like, Hey, so-and-so want you back over there. And went back over there and I met a lady who came in to, to bring yoga into the jail, which is, yeah, it's a program I've never heard of. Hmm. She's now the mayor of Bristow and she's one of my best friends. Yeah. I still, yeah. I still talk to her today. She's she, bringing yogurt. Bringing yoga into jail. Oh, yoga. I thought he said no. yogurt. No, I'm yoga. Like, that's she would great she, program. Yeah, no, that's nice of her to bring some yogurt in it. No, yoga. Yeah, yoga. yeah. Her that's, name's her name's Chris Wyatt. She's uh now she's the mayor. She's of the Bristow. mayor of Bristow, that's which legit, is man. the same county where I caught my prison charge, and so Creek County sentenced me to five years, and gotcha. Creek County is where I met her, uh, and she was they they had yoga. She would bring yoga classes in there. And I remember I, I just wanted to get out of my cell. Uh, me and my, me and the dude I was bunked with, we weren't seeing eye to eye. And I was like, I'm going to end up hitting this guy. And it's going right. to turn to a, more charges. And about that same time, somebody was like, Hey, they're doing yoga classes. Who wants to go? And I was like, I'll go. Mm-hmm. But I met this lady and it turned into guided meditation. She was kind of teaching us that, but then she started asking us questions about kids and stuff. And I have three boys, Yeah, you know, uh, and when she started asking about our children, I was like, you know, I was kind of fighting back, you know, tears, uh, really just trying to ignore what she was, you know, she's like, hey, who's your kids? And, you know, so I told her the names, I told her the ages and, and, uh, she, she seen me fighting back tears. And then she just told me, she says, you know, the way you feel right now, she was like, your kids probably feel that way all the time. Cause you're not there. And if, mm. if you don't step up, some some other man's going to raise your children. And uh, uh, that just, phew, I felt it, you know. That's a step on the heart right there. Yeah. yeah. She asked How me old what, were they about this time? Uh, this was, what, 2020? So 14, 8, 6? Mm. There we go. 1385. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now they're 16, whatever, <laughs> add four years to whatever that was. Um, but yeah, so she asked me what I was going to do when I got out of jail and she was the one who really made me when I told, I told her rehab and she didn't, she was like, I don't believe you. She's like, tell me again. 
So I said, rehab. She's like, do you have a ride? No. She's like, I'll make sure you get to rehab from jail. And uh, and that was back in January of 2020. And I've been sober since. Man. Clean and sober. I just see him, Frank, pursuing you, man. Like, in every season you're talking about, mm-hmm. like God's showing up in different ways, you know? Yeah. Like, the mayor, Michael. Like, he putting people in front of you. And now what you're doing for others is, yeah. is incredible, you know? You know, this there's you said something there so when i went to prison there's politics in prison right sure yeah and in prison it was like you you're only stuck with the world in front of you you know and i remember one thing michael said he was like god is above all of this yeah you know but when you're in prison and you're seeing these immediate politics and you know with who you can talk to and who you can ride your race with and all this other stuff i was like in my mind, I was like, there's, there's no way I could pray myself out of this situation. Um, I got sentenced and I was a, a nonviolent criminal, Okay, but I got sent to a 85% violent yard. Mm-hmm. And whenever they told me that I was going to this yard, I went up to uh, William S. Keys up in Woodward, Oklahoma. And they were like, this is where you're going. And they just had a, a riot there like six mm-hmm. months before. I, and I was like, so, and it was the Native Americans and the neighborhood Crips and like on that yard, they were clashing with each other. And like, this is where they're sending me. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, what? I, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause like it or not, as soon as I get there, I'm full blood Native American. Right. You know, there is no getting out of the situation. Yeah. I get there and uh, I have an uncle. His name's, his name's Lewis. He's been in prison my whole life. Never met him. His name's Lewis Thompson. Uh, I get to this yard and people are asking me my name. And when I tell them my name, they were like, you know, Lewis. And I was just like, I think it's my uncle. And they were like, oh, well, he's up there, you know, on this yard. He's right up there. <laughs> Come on. And so Come they were like, you want to go meet him? And I was like, yeah. Family you know? reunion <laughs> in the yard? So, dude, I go, Come up on. There, I go up there to meet my uncle. And he's been locked away for so long that he thought my dad had three girls. Because mm. when he was like, "Which one are you?" and I was like, "I'm Frank. I'm I'm Joe's son." And he was like, "I thought Joe had girls." And I was like, "No, boys. I'm one of them." <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Well, what do you want to do here?" And I was like, "I want to go to school. I want to stay out of the way." And you know, and right. because he had been there for so long, he got all of the Native American brothers on the yard, the guys who call the shots. And he was like, "Check this out. This is my nephew. He wants to go to school and be the you know he wants to he wants to leave. Yeah, leave him alone. All the stuff going on, leave him out. You have protection." Was that yeah. the first day? That was the third day that I was there. You had protection on the third day, bro. Yeah. Yeah. On an 85% violent yard. Come on. Wow. And, uh, and he was like, your as uncle long that you've never met. That I've never met. Yeah. I'm just sitting I there. mean, this sounds like a movie, man. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. I mean, to know the protection, because you know, you get stuck in that culture, in that place, and you could be really sucked into things. Yeah. And and then your time could be added on, or you could just literally be killed, you know. So oh yeah, so you know, and not the violence, yeah, on the yard it, that is very real. You know, I I've seen people who, you know, they say that they told on somebody or this happened, and then you know you see you see what people would do to people right. in there, you know, and it's the violence is very real, you know. But to have somebody I've never met in my life. You know, he and he just told me, he's like, man, as long as you stay out of it, as long as you don't go around trying to get yourself in fights or getting drugs or whatever, he was like, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. stay out of the way. And and so I did. I just stayed out of the way until they let me go to a halfway house, uh, discharged out of Oklahoma City and, you know, started all over again. But right. <laughs> I, mean. I, I kind of figured uh, the relapse for me was important because... I, I was running, I thought, on my own there. Yeah. Uh, and I knew about Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the relapse, after knowing better and seeing what God could do and then choosing to go back out, the prodigal son thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Right. Way more at a deeper level because it's like now it's, it's, it's the amazing I understand the amazing yeah. when they say amazing grace. Oh, man. Because there's no, 
I wouldn't give me another chance. Right. You know, it's like, and you know, I mean, I see it time and time again, uh, which is why I'm not God, no. <laughs> you know, cause I, I've, I've given chance after chance after chance to people. Um, but to put myself right back in the same situation after I was taken out of it for the first time and then to be taken out of it again, I've lost my kids twice. Yeah. And now I have this third opportunity where like I get to raise them again. Right. You know, which I didn't never think was going to happen. Uh, How is your relationship today with them? With my kids? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those are my guys. Yeah. I I brought a couple of them. Yeah. I saw your boys at the church, man. That was awesome to see them. Yeah. They're they're worshiping, man. Like, yeah, they're all, yeah. The the legacy now that you're laying out in front of them, bro, like, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, man? I, I tell my middle child, uh, all the time, you know, cause my oldest son, Wyatt, he's, he's my stepson. He's right. I got with his mom when he was a year old. Right. Um, but he's seen me and his mom go through all the stuff we went through. Uh, but he's my, my oldest son, you know, he calls me dad. That's my boy. Wow. Um, but I tell them all the time, you know, in my middle child, especially, you know, I tell them like, you could be the first Thompson to, to walk this world and not, not have to worry about drugs and alcohol. And right. I told him that two or three years ago, you know, and just in a moment and into today, you know, he'll, he'll bring it up every once in a while. Yeah. As you know, when I get, it, I'm going to be the first Thompson, to, Come on. you know, just speaking. Those it words already. are still planted in his heart. Yeah. And he just wait. Like it's, it's, it's incredible how it's God's going to bless his life through your life and what you've been through. You know, there's something like when we follow after Jesus, that moment of salvation there has to be an awareness like one, I needed a savior. I can't save myself. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've done things that need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And Jesus does that for us. And then we start walking with him by the Holy spirit. And we start to like realize, man, like it's, it's, it's incredible how he wants to be with us. But then we have a failure of some kind and we fall down on our face and we mess up or we bring something in the past. and We do it again. Like mm-hmm. I, I think about your relapse, but it's when you start to discover like his love for us is far greater than we could ever really comprehend. And that is when we understand his grace where he looks at us and says, get back up, keep following me. You messed up. It might come with some consequences in this earth, but his grace and his forgiveness far exceeds what we can even comprehend. And mm-hmm. like, I see that like him showing you that pursuing you and saying you are you're going the right direction, even though you've, you've maybe in that past and when you relapse, you've, you've fallen down, mm-hmm. but he's good and faithful to show you that, Hey, you've got the strength to stand back up by my power. Yeah. And now we get to see that. We yeah. get to see the fruit of all that. And right you now. know, the, the, so the surrender part, you know, cause I, I used to hear it all my life, just surrender to God, just surrender to God. And like, how, what does that look like? How do you do that? Right. You know, I just wake up. Okay, God. Yeah. And, but you know, and I tried it. It didn't work. You know, I just surrender every day. Uh, I just, I didn't understand it. And I found out surrender looks different Yes, it does. to almost everybody. Yeah. For me, surrender looks like working the 12 step program. It was because in, in the 12 step program, you know, I didn't know this until I, I started like the guy who, who, who essentially invented the 12 steps. He took it from another group, which was called the Oxford group, which was an Orthodox Christian CR essentially back in the early 1900s. Right. Uh, but they were super religious, but they took those, they had eight is what they called eight absolutes that you had to do to get free of whatever you were fighting. And they took that from the scripture, you know, they took it from uh, uh, the sermon on the Mount, the guy who, has the 12 steps he just reworded it to where it's not so because in the eight absolutes it was like you have to forgive and you have to believe in god and he just made him suggestions you Mm -hmm. know and the very first thing he he said uh he was like you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna say you got to believe in god to be here to start you know and so that's where we believe we're powerless over our alcohol or addiction and our life is unmanageable right and when you start right there it's not like having to recognize that you know you have to believe in God to be free. It's like, no, you just got to admit you were powerless. And then as I, as I did the steps, you get through one, two, one to one, two, and three is like the internal, you know, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, you write down, you know, why this is and why you write down your resentments. And then, you know, you, you see the character defects and then you pray to this higher power that you have, you know, which mine's the God of the Bible. You pray to God. And I say, you know what, dude, I need you to take these defects out of me. Mm -hmm. And then you get 10, 11 and 12. And it's the application part. Yeah. You know, daily. I do it in the morning when I walk my dog, where did I go wrong yesterday? Right. You know, daily you take this inventory and then, you know, and then daily ask God, you know, for guidance. And then the number 12 is, is my favorite part is you turn around and you take this message and you give it to somebody else. else, You know, I find my most joyful moments in life. I used to think joy came from stuff, you know, how much stuff can I get? How much money do I have? How much stuff can I get? How much, like, I used to think that joy was materialistic, the very first time that I worked with another addict who had been through what I'd been through. And the first time I got to say, you know what? He's telling me all this stuff he did. And I'm, and it's not like who's badder or who's that. No. And I said, no, man, let me, let me tell you what I did, right. you know? And then it, it levels it. And I'm no longer somebody who's trying to make them feel some type of way or make them be clean. I'm somebody who's saying, you know what, dog, I've been there. Yep. Look what God did in my life. You got credibility so, with them. Yeah. You know, and they're going to listen because it's like, wait a minute, you're not. And yeah. from that, like working with somebody else who was in my situation, right. I experienced the joy, mm. like real joy. Because I felt like Michael probably felt when he was telling me, because he remember he was a recovering, he was That's a recovering right. heroin addict. Um, and he's spending time with me up all night knowing dude's probably tired, you know, and you know, like I'm, there's no way I'm sleeping, but he, he didn't see it like a burden. He was like, no, let me tell you about the grace of God. Did you ever see him again? Never, never saw him. Never saw him again. And you want to know something? I couldn't tell you what he looks like. (laughs) I don't remember his face. (laughs) And look at that, like that seed that he planted and he, he will never know. Right. Like what, um, what an imp- impact he had mm-hmm. on you, but man, that's, a, it's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I, he just, God has just used the most random and crazy like situations to just get your attention mm-hmm. yeah. and to protect you. And I think that's the beautiful part about it is because it's not me saying it was him that did it, you no. know? Like he was there and he spoke something to me. Right. And it reminds me that when I'm speaking to somebody else, you know, it's not me. Nope. You know, like I, I tried it with my dad recently to, you know, moved him into my house, try to take him to the meetings that I was going to try sure. to get him around. You know, I was really trying so hard to try to help my dad stay sober. And then, you know, one day I find him drunk in my son's room, mm. you know, and it became almost an unhealthy place for me to be at. And I was just like, okay, dad, I don't know what to do, you know, and he went home and uh, he lives out by Siloam Springs and I just prayed. I just prayed. And he met a guy on Facebook, another Indian dude who's staying sober, sent him some books and, you know, through this and that. My dad's been sober since September. Wow. You know? Yeah. And it was just like, okay. We can't, we have no control over other people. All we can do is just spread the truth, Mm -hmm. speak the truth. Yep. Give that encouragement, give that love, and then know that God is working on it. Right. And that takes a lot of yeah. a lot of faith and a lot of trust. Right. But uh, that's brought a lot of peace in my life is knowing that I can't control another person's behavior. Mm-hmm. I can't like, and, and and I won't. And so that's brought a lot of peace because I'm not in control of their life, but I can definitely pray to the living God that can enter interact with them through another person. If I can't, if I don't have a voice in life, maybe God can bring someone into life that can. Yeah. And so Frank, I see like you were talking about surrender and I think the level of surrender that I see in your life, a part of that comes from your ability and your willingness to share your, your story. You're unashamed about what God has done in your life. And like this being on this podcast today, I feel like this is a part of that story of your surrender. It's like, God, if you want me to tell my story to Anyone and everyone, I'll do it, you know, and he gets the glory for that because this story here, like we really believe this podcast is set up so that people can see the power of God moving through the stories of people. Mm-hmm. And so what well, I'm going to hope that someone like living maybe a life, maybe it's a shadow or, or a close reflection to something that you've been through. 
and they can just gather just a little bit of faith today and believe that they can have hope that it could be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone that is trying and relapses or, or, right. or falls back. And then you feel like, Oh, I, I, I'm, it's, I'm never going to get better. It's right. never going to be better to hear that. Like keep fighting, keep turning to him mm-hmm. and, and, and see where that goes. Open minded to the people that God sent around you. Right. Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. that was the big thing. Cause when I thought that I was the one who kept messing it up and I had to get back on top of my game and it was, you know, I got to get on top. I got to get back to where I was and, you know, I got to get this time. And it was all me. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the more that I kept saying that, you know, it was kind of like the enemy was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you, you need to do it. You, you know, and I'm ignoring the people that God sent in my way, right? you know, until finally one day, you know, I was like, there's a reason you're here. You know, like I, the guy that I, the house that I have, I have a, a three bedroom house that I, I moved into the house to help the guy who originally lived there stay sober because he was a home drunk. You know, he would stay at home and he'd drink. Right. And uh, I moved into a room and as he started getting his stuff back together, his life got back on track. He moved out and he was and then it's like, here you go. You can rent this house. And I got a three bedroom house. I don't have the greatest credit. There's no way they're going to give me a storage <laughs> unit to rent in my name, you well, know? But well, that's God. Yeah. <laughs> God's like, and here's your house. Yeah. So, it was, you <laughs> that's know, that's incredible, but man. Had I just kept, and he's, <laughs> he's short, white dude, cowboy hat, 100% opposite of me. <laughs> yeah. So when people see us sitting together yeah. at the meeting, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is my guy right here. <laughs> but we don't look anything alike, you know, like it looks like we'll never have nothing in common. But, you know, he's really one, he's one of my best friends, you know, and it's just like, don't, in face value, I'd have ignored him, you know, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying not to ignore the people that God put in my way today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good word. Yeah. That's good. Frank, I, I mean, it's, fascinated like this whole time i'm just sitting here like man like you're just your your story is so fascinating because it's a true story of redemption um and i really really pray that it can bless someone that hears this and that you like you continue to go down this journey of sobriety and being a child of god who is just spreading his gospel, like doing what you're doing with Band of Brothers and and speaking in and pouring into the people that you know are falling off and knowing like one day, maybe they'll be back in there. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your time today and joining us. And Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything you need a prayer request on? Anything we can pray for you about? Just direction. Yeah. Okay. With the transition. Yep. You know, I'm I'm leaving Battle Creek, which has been my home. <laughs> you know, right. like it, I started serving there. As soon as I got sober, I started serving. That's like my thing. I just serve, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've been there for three and a half years. I just served my last Sunday, the, this past Sunday. Yeah. Uh, love my guys over there. You yeah. Know? But I, I feel God's moving me to right. South Community. Yeah. Come um, on. You know, so it's just, it's a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that. You know, as long as God goes forward, you know, Absolutely. we goes before us. Um, he does. But I need, I need prayer to Direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> move me out of my environment. I feel yeah. like I'm just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Erica? Oh, man. Um, just for these stories, I mean, we've heard some amazing testimonies today and, um, uh, I just, I just pray. I'm just praying over this, this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I'm just praising God right now for his protection. Right. His, uh, and his guidance and my prayers. I can continue to be able to be open-minded. I like that being open-minded to the different people he uses or different Mm -hmm. circumstances he uses to, uh, to grow me closer to him. Yeah. We serve a creative God and we Mm -hmm. don't give him enough credit on that. uh, Like Mm -hmm. who we can bring into our life. What about you, Mark? I guess for me, I just, I have a heart right now. Like I know that there's somebody probably listening and they just needed to hear these words from Frank. And I'm just praying that, that as you listen to them, that you would believe and just have that mustard seed of faith right now, knowing that, that he has a plan that he loves you. He considers you worthy that his son would come and die for you. 
and that you would realize that and that you do not have to live in old pain and you don't have to live in old sin and old addiction, but you can truly know that you can be set free. Like my brother right here was sitting in prison and he got set free knowing that God was calling him out of that place into a new place. And now he's sitting on a podcast sharing his story and you, and you listening right now, I want you, I hope you're encouraged to know that God has a plan for you and he has in my eyes a lot better for you, especially if you don't, if you've never committed your life to Christ yet. So. Thank you so much, Frank. Yeah, Appreciate thank you, you for having me. Absolutely. God bless you. God bless you, man. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. But more importantly, we want to pray with you. You can send your prayer requests to the With Great Power team on our Instagram account, at Great Power Podcast. We'll see you next time, and God bless.